Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back. Hope you're doing well. A former intelligence officer, a national security expert, and a U.S. Navy veteran all meet in a bar. <laughs> uh, just kidding. That's just uh, the beginning of a, a non-existent joke. Although, uh, I'm looking at Matt Shoemaker, who's running for Congress in North Carolina's 13th District, uh, on your postcard, Matt, which I just noticed this. Send intelligence to D.C., which, which, isn't there a law against that somewhere? We're not allowed to send intelligence to D.C. Hey, I thought it was a, a strike of brilliance to come up with that <laughs> motto. Well, yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> but, but my point stands. I don't know how often we send intel. I think we send uh, ambitious people to D.C. I don't know how often we send intelligent people to D.C. Or intelligent people with some uh, amount of common sense. Anyway, that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, thanks to Adina for introducing us and, and bringing you in today. And uh, excited to have you in. Thank you for your service uh, to the Navy and, and in your family as well. It's great to have you. So why would somebody and, and, you know, you spend time on Fox News. You've had quite the career for a young man. Uh, what would possess you to run for Congress? Like what pushes somebody over the edge? Self-hatred. <laughs> yeah, more than anything. And unfortunately, there is a little element of truth to that. But no, I mean, when it comes down to it, the reason why I'm running is you, know, you kind of alluded to this is I'm just sick and tired of the good old boy club establishment politicians who are more interested in making a point rather than a difference yeah like that's really what it comes down to and it's time that we have someone who's an adult in the room yeah i mean it really comes down to something as simple as that and from my own perspective you know being 35 being of a different generation it's time that we have the passing of the torch to a new generation of americans it's it, 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 I, yeah. I, I mean, you're not even half the age of the two leading presidential <laughs> contenders. Well, and, and the interesting thing that I bring up in the course of the campaign is Joe Biden was born closer to Abraham Lincoln's administration than to his own. <laughs> like that, that's that's just depressing. It's, bro. It, it really is. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, it's absolutely astounding yeah. that that's actually the case. But yeah. you know, that's the state of our, our it world. It really is. Was there was there one thing in particular in yes. the news cycle in an election cycle something that just kind of okay. Matt's like, okay, now I have to do this. So uh, my own personal experience, so I got off active duty orders with the Navy. I was down with Central Command uh, up until a number of months ago. And uh, an experience probably about 10 months ago or so where my boss at the time, he wanted to send me in military terms, it's called TDY. It's essentially a business trip, right? I had previously been stationed over in England as part of European Command, and they were going to send me over to England again, kind of on loan for them to, to work on some Ukrainian stuff. And what my boss said is, you know, we're going to send you for a few weeks. I need you to come up with a budget of how much it's going to cost. So I did. And it, I found it was going to cost about like $15,000 in order to send me for like two weeks or whatever it was. And I told him, he's a great guy. I loved my boss. He was absolutely wonderful. But I'm like, everything you need me to do, I can do from my desk right now. And I can just do Zoom calls into whoever I need to. I can save you $15,000 yeah, essentially. Yeah. And he, he laughed and he said, well, we don't really worry about that here. And, and it, I was just like, how is that not waste, fraud, and abuse? Oh, man, yeah. And he, he chuckled once again, and he said, well, we don't really worry about that here. And, and the reason that irritated me so much, because I could have just gone along and be like, whatever, sure. throw my hands Take up. the trip. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. And, and, and so the reason it bothered me so much is because a couple days before, one of my sailors that reported in to me mentioned how he and his family are on food stamps. And 
I looked into it because the Rain Corporation had just pump, uh, published a study about a month before. One in four service members are either on food stamps or food insecure. So from one That's end, disgusting. it is. And, and, you know, I've got buddies down at Fort Bragg and, and their senior leadership is telling is encouraging them to get on food stamps Man. at this point. So from one end, I'm being told that my guys aren't able to eat effectively. And from the other, I'm being told spend wildly. And so looking into that, the, the I found out that the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, has no clue where 60% of its $850 billion budget is spent. It cannot yeah. tell Congress. No, of course It has not. no idea. Yep. It just burns it. Right. And for me, that's waste, fraud and abuse. And on top of it, it's a national security issue because Russia and the Ukraine situation is a perfect example of what happens when corruption permeates your defense sector. Yeah. And, and you know, from the other end, too. If well, and people tend to forget there is money to be made. Yes. Uh, in war actions around the world. Yes. And so not, not everything's as clear cut as you'd like to think it is. Not everything's as red, white and blue as you uh, hope it is. And that we're going to be some bastion of freedom and hope and liberty around the world. There are people that are making money. Yes. And, and so from all of this, it just came into the notion of where in the world is accountability for this? Yeah. You know, the last time that we had an actual reform of DOD finances was the 1980s. You know, we're talking 40 years now. It is well overdue for that. Um, and, and on the opposite side, if you've got 25 percent of your guys who if they get sent downrange to, to fight in a war, if their head is more interested in whether or not their, their spouse mm, and kids can no eat, kidding. their head is not in the game. Like right. that is a That's national right. security issue. So yep. so all this came down to I need to get involved. That's really what it came down to. Yeah. There, there needs to be accountability. And Congress, obviously, because you got to be at the federal level to deal with what you're talking about. And Correct. that was your experience, uh, which we'll get into. And then it's interesting to kind of back up because uh, some of this is in your blood in terms mm -hmm. of military and service. So explain that because I want everybody to kind of understand uh, the family aspect of Matt Shoemaker and, and how this has, has come to help turn you into who you are today and why you would do something like this well my dad actually he retired a few years ago he spent 28 and a half years in the coast guard um and i say 28 and a half because that's how he phrases it every single time so i'm just <laughs> going to remember it that way from now on um but no no he had a wonderful career he retired as an e9 uh as a command master chief mm -hmm. um and i only realized later on in my life like how big of a deal that what that was yeah. and i had to explain to my siblings i'm like dad's actually kind of a big deal <laughs> um he was up at one point for uh, to be a uh, coast guard um uh Master Chief Petty Officer of, of the Coast Guard um, and, and decided not to go because he didn't want to live in Washington. Um, but anyways, so that was my dad and my my grandpa actually served in the Air Force uh, during the Korean War. He wasn't sent over there, but he, he was a mechanic for, for yeah. some of the planes in the Air Force. Uh, and then my great-grandfather served in the Army during World War One, and we go back all the way back to the American Revolution. So it's kind of like the family business. So was it... Uh was it? Do you think it was inevitable? Did you feel like I'm definitely going to serve one day? <laughs> I have to serve one day. I want to serve one day because you you have an interesting uh, route because you didn't start in the Navy, which we'll, we'll back up right. and talk about that. But was there a sense growing up that this is just the right thing to do to serve your nation in a military capacity? So. It, uh, the way that I would probably characterize this is, and I, I think I mentioned this to you before, of I resisted it as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I, growing up with it, you know, it, I saw how hard of a life it was. Like, my dad was actually deployed down to Haiti in 94 mm -hmm. when Clinton sent everyone down there. And, and my dad, uh, you know, speaking to him, he had mentioned how it was the, some of the most terrifying moments of his life. Yeah. Um, so, so it was kind of always in my blood, but I resisted it as much as possible, yeah. and then I, I, my sense of duty overtook me. Right. Yeah. And then uh, a, a brief layover for three years at seminary, which we'll talk about. Fascinating story. Matt Shoemaker's running for U.S. Congress, District 13, North Carolina 13th District. We're going to keep talking about it. VoteMJS.com. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show, doing one of the things that uh, I love the most about being on the radio and being an activist since 2004 is meeting other people that choose to get off the sidelines and get into the game and try to make a difference, not just for them, for themselves and primarily not for themselves. I didn't get into this in, in 2004 in order to make a name for myself. I just felt as a follower of Christ that I should be trying to impact the lives of my neighbors. And in this case, I've got 340 million of them. And to sit on the sidelines and do nothing, which is a violation of neighbor love, which is also a violation of God love, quite frankly, was just sinful. Uh, but it wasn't my idea. We just had a service at our at our church, a, a revival weekend, and the pastor that Saturday night was talking about Nehemiah 2.17. Behold, Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls and no longer be a disgrace. It was their apathy that was a disgrace. And man, that cut me to the quick. And three weeks later, I was literally walking into the Raleigh City Council Chambers with 350 people. Uh, just to go protest something, and that's where it started. So that's uh, what I appreciate about having Matt Shoemaker here today is running for Congress. North Carolina's 13th district, his website is votemjs.com. Votemjs.com is that he has uh, sought to serve his nation both as a Navy veteran and now running for Congress and comes from, like you said, Matt, a, f a family of people that have served the nation. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for your time. Did that, with your dad, a, a career uh, – leader and servant in the U.S. Coast Guard. Did, did did that whole notion of service and something bigger than yourself, was that something that was at the top of your mind growing up, or was that just the life you were leading and you didn't really see that until later? It was always kind of behind the scenes, like mm -hmm. always, always there is the foundation rather than always yeah. coming to mind sort of thing. And and one thing that my dad in particular um, wanted to stress was if if someone else isn't going to do it, who will? Right, exactly. Right? And, it, and it comes down to personal responsibility and, and, and taking charge of yourself if, yeah. if, if no one else is going to do it. Yeah, your dad uh, would have liked my dad. My dad would just say, lead, follow, or get the heck out of the yes. light. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, which is exactly how I was raised and, and uh, praise the Lord for the older generations that taught us the way that they did. Uh, but you didn't go right into the Navy after you finished high school. You actually did three years at a seminary, yeah. <laughs> which was wild. Yeah. Uh, go back to that real quick because that's a cool story uh, when you had an encounter uh, with the Pope, which as, as a man and uh, part of the Catholic faith, I mean, that's that's a shocker. It's huge when you come face to face. With yeah, it was. So uh, I went I did my undergraduate uh, studies at George Washington University. And at the time that I was there, that's when Pope Benedict the 16th mm -hmm. in 2008 made his first trip to the United States. And I had an opportunity to to meet him very briefly. But it was it was such a profound moment in my life. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I'd always grown up Catholic, but it was kind of just. Uh, sort of second nature. Right. It wasn't really my own yet mm -hmm. at that point. And and so meeting the Pope, meeting this this individual who is uh, from from the Catholic belief, are going down through the chain of of all the popes through history all the way back to Christ, being confronted with this individual who in a certain sense has a link to yeah. you know, back to the foundation was just such a profound meaning in my life. I mean, it really, I, I referred to this as uh, the reversion into my faith. Right. Right. And and that's when I first started, you know, really getting involved in church. I really started getting involved in my faith and really trying to understand what is this that people are willing to die for? Mm -hmm. Right. And how do you, and how do you articulate that to people who don't want to hear it? Yeah. Right. And, and so I started thinking about 
getting involved in seminary and I actually applied. They accepted me. I went, did my did three years of seminary at Mount St. Mary's in beautiful Emmitsburg, Maryland, population 1500. Very tiny place, <laughs> uh, especially going from, you know, downtown Washington, D.C. to the middle of nowhere. Were most of the people in your life like, Matt, what are you doing? Yes, absolutely. Yes, there are, there was a, a wonderful wonder. I say wonderful now. Uh, wonderful come to Jesus discussions that I had with my parents because they wanted me to get married and you know have the white picket course, fence and right. have family like that. That was their yeah. vision for me. Um, so to say, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm trying to explore what God wants for me. You know, mm-hmm. give give me some give me some slack. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so once I got them on board, it was certainly much easier. Um, but yeah, yeah, and it was not, that was not the first thing on their mind when they. When <laughs> and they, then that was yeah. a that was a focus on philosophy as yes. you went through that, and then off to England to pursue your PhD. Uh, uh, when you got into, and I forgot to mention this earlier, in my last semester of my undergrad at University of Illinois, I had some. I just had to go get some credits. So one of the last classes I took was on thermonuclear war. Interesting choice. Which was awesome. <laughs> I, the, the semester before, I took severe and unusual weather because mm. I learned how to fly when I was in college. Sure. And then and thermonuclear war was just fascinating. And then that, for you, of course, then you worked in the private sector and then went into the Navy. Yes. Yeah. And so as you look at... You know, we just, uh, I saw—I haven't seen this picture very often. One of our submarines in the Suez Canal mm. on its way to the Med to be parked off the coast of Israel. Mm. What's your reaction to everything that we see there? And that's part, I mean, if you want to run for Congress, you're going to be dealing with these international issues. But how do you react to it as somebody that uh, has an abiding faith, as somebody that's trained well and educated well and has served, especially in the Navy? What's your thoughts on what's happening over there? I think that we, we are in a situation that we didn't need to be. I think that's long and short of it, which is really sad because, you know, I look at the way that President Biden has conducted himself over the past three years, and it's a litany of catastrophe. Mm -hmm. That's how I see that. And, And the reason I say that, and I don't mean to just throw stones just to throw stones, is, you know, let's go back 10 years. And 10 years ago, Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. And, you know, for, you know, any faults that he has, he was certainly more sprightly back then. Certainly. And... Someone like Vladimir Putin, someone like Benjamin Netanyahu, someone like the Ayatollah over in Iran, they've all either met him personally or seen him enough to, to understand how he was then. Yeah, yeah. And and so, for example, uh, two years ago when Joe Biden met Vladimir Putin over in Europe, Joe, Bi- or Joe Biden in his, um, you know, as, as age does, as it slows you down, Vladimir Putin, I'm sure, noticed that. Oh, absolutely. And he certainly took advantage of it. And it's not just Vladimir Putin. It's so many of these other aspects of they all, you know, the way that China views Joe Biden. Oh, Joe man. Biden, like China has art, has tried to argue that the United States is in decline for they've they've been trying to make that argument mm-hmm. for years. They use Joe Biden as the epitome, as the avatar of that decrepitness right. yeah. uh, just because of that. So and, and it goes back to me commenting about how Joe Biden was born closer to Abraham Lincoln's right. administration than to his own. Like so many of these problems foreign policy wise come down to we don't have actual leadership. No, you project power, you have a chance at peace. You project weakness, you have no chance. And there's appeasement going on. I mean, absolutely, you you see the way that the, the Biden administration has dealt with Iran. That is 100%. I don't care how you try and articulate this, it's appeasement. Yeah, oh, When absolutely. you give them money mm-hmm. for whatever reason to try and – as if we're trying to – if we play nice with you, we're assuming you're going to play nice with us. Like, that is appeasement. Like, that is the definition of it. Um, and, and that's not how that part of the world operates. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I talked about this last week on the show. We're talking to Matt Shoemaker, who's running for U.S. Congress, North Carolina, 13th District. His website is votemjs.com, vote. 
MJS.com. It's been fascinating, and I think it really started with Obama, this strange relationship between the Democrat Party and Islam. They are either actually remarkably ignorant or they've chosen ignorance for some bizarre reason. I cannot figure out why they're comfortable. Obama, I understood, because he uh, was raised in a partial Islamic home and environment. So Mm -hmm. I think he had a soft heart towards Islam while at the same time claiming Christianity. And I think that showed why the rest of the Democrat Party is willing to support Palestinians and especially Hamas by Mm -hmm. extension is remark. It doesn't make any sense to me, which makes me think there's some spiritual darkness there. But we'll uh, we'll get to that maybe another time. We're talking to Matt Shoemaker. We'll talk about actual uh, issues that you're talking about on the campaign trail as you're running for North Carolina 13th District U.S. Congress with Matt Shoemaker. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Inflation, high fuel prices, border security, global instability. Matt's campaign centers on a clear commitment to core American values and a path back to stability. We do not have stability right now. We're going in uh, absolutely the wrong direction. Now you've got a lot of Democrats, Matt, talking about because the polling just came out in four or five swing states where Trump was ahead of Biden by significant numbers, trying to get Biden out of the game, setting all that aside uh, getting into the game for you. I want to go through kind of the things that you're going to be, you're talking about the most when you're out there on the campaign trail and stumping and, and then a little bit about just dealing with the fact that you're in a primary. So you got to deal with other Republicans at the same time, other conservatives, but, but what, what's the core of Matt's uh, campaign? What are the core issues? I, I was just reading off of some of your information, but just unpack that a little bit. Sure. So the, the three things in going around and talking to people, the three main things that I'm finding is economy and inflation is eight days a week, the most important oh, yeah. topic because it, people are just hurting way too badly under Bidenomics. The second thing that I'm hearing is that border security and border security to me is a national security issue, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So it comes down to, to security, comes down to crime, all that aspect. And then the third one is election integrity. How do you know, how do you have faith in a system that uh, for the past number of years has not had the most faith associated with it? And and that goes towards a larger problem of there is a a trust problem that we're having in the United States on multiple levels with multiple different uh, organizations and structures. Um, So those are the three main topics that I'm seeing. Um, but by far, the economy is going to be absolutely number one. Yeah, and that's the one. I mean, everybody we, we've heard the fears that everybody votes with their pocketbook, and it's true. People will have conversations; they'll post about things, but ultimately, uh, they're gonna they're gonna vote for people that they think are gonna serve their self interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially when it comes to the economy, like you were talking about, uh, how many soldiers are getting government assistance? Twenty five percent of soldiers or uh, uh, service members oh, are either on food stamps or food insecure. Yeah, and so it's been interesting to watch them uh, try to think Bidenomics is actually a helpful phrase, right. <laughs> uh, but it's the gallows at this point. Uh, and then how do you how do you change that? Well, you know, you you would you would be representing North Carolina's 13th district. You're one guy in Congress in the House of Representatives out of 435. What, what would be your plan should you find yourself up in Washington D.C.? Sure. So let's say let's take inflation for example. Like my, uh, the way that I see it is that inflation begins in Washington because only Washington can print money. Yes. But it is that simple. And then when it comes to things like the budget, we talk every single year that a budget is passed, you know, oh, it was a budget balance, this budget balance. The budget is always balanced in one way or another, and we're paying for it. Either it's balanced because we are spending the money that we take in through taxation, or it's balanced because of uh, inflation and debt. 
that we're taking on. And so that's what it really comes down to of being in the right mindset of how does this work? And see, the funny thing is none of this is rocket science, Mm-mm. right? These solutions in theory are simple. Now, having said that, my perspective on how to be a congressman is my job there is not to be a lightning rod, not to try and get as much attention on myself as possible. It's about creating coalitions and persuading people who wouldn't necessarily be on my team necessarily um, to see the world the way that I see it on this particular issue. That is my job as a congressman. And that doesn't necessarily mean I do that from, you know, the the pulpit or anything like that. I do it in a a very obvious way. Sometimes it's going to be behind the scenes. And that's just the nature of the beach. And I'm totally fine with that. That's how I view that this is going to work. How are people reacting to your relative youth? They love it. Surprisingly, I had one woman. I, I went to the uh, to to like Best Cuts or something like that a couple of weeks ago, and I sat down in the chair. And the woman, her name is Mary, wonderful woman, and she she's like, "Oh, what do you do for work?" And I said, "Well, I'm I'm running for Congress." She's like, "Oh my gosh, I love that. You're young." <laughs> I'm like, you're welcome. The table is set for yeah. that right now. I'm like, you're welcome. And, and so I, you know, I'm perfectly happy to, to reap the benefits of that. But I mean, I'm just being who I am. And that's the funny thing about this campaign is that, uh, you know, someone asked me, is it hard to campaign? And it's like, well, sure, there are elements of it that I really hate doing, like fundraising. Um, but when it comes to meeting people, telling my story, like that's the fun stuff because I just have to be me. Right. Right. And so in that sense, it's one of the easiest things to do. Uh, and people seem to be liking it. We're having wonderful, absolutely phenomenal response to this. And, you know, the notion of sending intelligence to D.C., yes. it is just resonating. It's a great so, line. Well, it, I'm, I'm very proud of, of having come up with that. But on the other hand, though, too, like it, it breaks my heart mm-hmm. that like this is all it takes is for me to be genuine, to be myself and people just eat it up. And I'm like, I, I'm happy to do so. I'm happy to just put myself out there. I mean, it's no joke to run for Congress. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not necessarily it's a, a fun deal. thing, but it's a big deal. And it's hard, but it's, you know, it, it's worth it. Well, the founding fathers originally, and I think they were a little Pollyanna-ish in, on this one, <laughs> uh, thinking that you're always going to get the best of the best that would step up to be public servants, which is why we had uh, the first place person with the Electoral College obviously be the president. The second place finisher would be the vice president. So so right now you would have a President Biden and Vice President Trump, or you would have <laughs> President Trump and Vice President Hillary Clinton, which would have made a great Netflix series, but mm. a train wreck otherwise. Don't don't let Joe Biden be in front of Hillary <laughs> at the top of any stairs. Yes, that's a that's a, a valid point. Yeah. And, and just to, I'm glad to hear people are responding well to the fact that you're uh, younger, under 40, and, and people know that we have these massive problems in D.C. And like you mentioned earlier, Matt, uh, there's almost no trust. Yes. Trust in D.C., trust in individual politicians, trust in the system, even trust in elections, whether you can drag something into a court of law and, and prove it or not. Uh, sometimes uh, perception is reality. And yes. that's the problem. We're losing the trust of the American people, which is a, a downward slope towards tyranny. Uh, what's it like to just uh, operate in a in a primary season where you're going to be running against other Republicans and other conservatives. Well, I, I have a feeling that, you know, as, as the days go on, we seem to be adding new new contenders right. into this race. Uh, I have a feeling as this gets, uh, you know, further along that, that there are going to be some that drop out, especially as they all come into my corner to support us. Um, but from there, <laughs> uh, the way that I am viewing this is uh, my head is in my campaign. Right. And, and so from my perspective, I don't have any contenders. I am presenting my vision, right. my candidacy, and that's what it is. Right. If, if other people like that, wonderful. If they don't like it, you know, there are other candidates that sure. you guys can check, take a look at. And that's the other that's kind of the thing with regards to this trust aspect to it. You know, I'm running for a seat that is reelected every two years. 
right? That it's not meant to have a lot of trust associated right. with it. And I'm not asking for trust necessarily. I'm asking for uh, people to see what I have to offer and give me that chance. And I love the phrase, by their fruits, you shall know them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to be judged on. Right. Absolutely. So from my perspective, how to do that is just be as genuine as I can, be as upfront uh, up and answer people's questions as, as best I can and, and come up with some really cool ideas that no one else is thinking about. Yeah. Has, yeah. It, have, has anything surprised you being out there on the campaign trail, just meeting regular folks, which we don't often hear from them in, in the news cycle, but just regular folks? folks out there. The thing that surprised me the most, interestingly enough, is the amount of Democrats, surprisingly, who are just so fed up with mm-hmm. the system that, uh, you know, the and that's why another reason why I'm so proud of the, the notion of send intelligence to D.C., because it's not a partisan thing. Right. right. Everyone recognize everyone recognizes how badly things are in Washington. And they're just we're hungry for someone who's going to bring sanity to the process, not going to make it about themselves, not going to be, you know, try to be an influencer or anything like that, but someone who is there because it's the right thing to do. And so that's probably the thing that that's uh, in, that surprised me the most. I think uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson or so mentioned something along the lines of, you know, despite all the corruption, despite all that divides us, you know, when it comes to Democrats and Republicans, the thing that we agree on is that inherently America is still essentially good. Yeah. And that, that's that's it gives me hope that I can I can not only reach Republicans, conservative Republicans, I can I can also reach out to the moderate. I can I can get everyone and bring them into the Republican fold. I mean, it's an absolutely it's an astounding. It's incredibly humbling. Yeah. Um, it's sad, unfortunately, that we're at this this state. But I mean, it, it's it's quite a wonderful thing. As I well. think when you get to the fundamentals of what America is, you still find that the overwhelming majority of Americans agree on the fundamentals. How do you implement them? How, what does that look like in policy when you actually get up to D.C. or a state house or whatever? Uh, OK, h- how do we get there? We can have some disagreements on, but <laughs> but whether it's quote unquote equality, liberty, freedom, education, security, everybody agrees on the broad strokes. Yes. It's just a matter of how you get there. But I, that's why I think when we talk about we're on the verge of a civil war, uh, you can buy that if you spend your whole day on Twitter, now known as X. But out there in the real world, we're not pulling each other's hair out. There's not a lot of cat fights happening in the aisle six at Harris Teeter. Yeah. Most people actually aren't like that in person. And I think we have to, hopefully people like you, Matt, and others will take advantage of that to be able to have conversations with people that, oh, they're Democrats. They're never going to want to hear what I say. Well, if you care about education, you care about liberty, you care about freedom, you care about national security, you care about security of the homeland, you care care about the southern border, that crosses over partisan lines. And you know what, though? It's not, it, uh, one aspect to it, though, as well, is that it's not about compromising. It's about negotiating. Yes. And there's a difference. Definitely. Because compromising is changing what you believe in order to get to some consensus. You're trying to go towards the lowest common mm-hmm. denominator. I completely disagree with that notion yeah. 100%. When it comes to negotiating, though, I can negotiate with someone that I disagree with, I dislike, you know, 99% yeah. of the time, because it's that 1% where when I find that common ground, that's something I can work with them on. And yeah. hopefully from developing a little bit of trust on that one issue, maybe they're going to give me the benefit of a doubt on another issue then yeah. as well. And that's how you, that's, I mean, that's the entire notion, not only of persuasion, but about evangelizing exactly as well. Right. Yep. Exactly right. Yeah. You got to meet people where they're at. There's always all kinds of bridges there to a productive conversation. Matt Shoemaker running for U.S. Congress, U.S. House of Representatives, North Carolina's 13th 
districtvotemjs.com for more information to get involved, to donate, to be a part of it. Votemjs.com. Matt, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Good to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. It was good to have Matt Shoemaker on. First time I met him, a sharp young man, uh, obviously highly intelligent and very uh, well-educated, serving the nation. So that was great. Appreciate, especially the younger, the better uh, people getting out there and getting involved to make a difference is uh, awesome. And uh, and that's not, not activism for activism's sake. It's actually somebody trying to make a difference uh, for the Lord and for their neighbor. And uh, that's awesome. Somebody else uh, that's making a difference is my good friend, Dr. Bill Pincus from North Carolina Right to Life. Just an awesome event coming up uh, on Saturday, November 18th, the uh, 50th anniversary gala of North Carolina Right to Life. And Seth Dillon, who's the CEO of the Babylon Bee, who's also very intelligent, very funny, uh, and a great supporter of the life cause will be the main speaker that day. So that's coming up on Saturday, November 18th, 2023. Doors open at 5.30 p.m. Seth Dillon, the CEO of Babylon B. Dr. Bill, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm really looking forward to this event. Uh, it, it, it's going to be awesome. Oh, man. Um, yeah, he's a know, great speaker and very funny and very passionate about life. But 50, 50th anniversary, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, we were the actually the very first uh, pro-life organization in North Carolina, and we were founded right after Roe as a result of Roe. And uh, David Osteen uh, Jr. Um, he's got a Ph.D. in mathematics. He was up in Minnesota at the time, and uh, his parents. He grew up here in Greensboro, mm. but he was in the pro-life movement in Minnesota, and he encouraged his parents, "Hey, look, we need to get the South involved." And so they established North Carolina Right to Life in October of 1973, and we've been fighting for life um, ever since then. Um, had some great uh, people working with us, you know, Skip Stam, um, a brilliant lawyer, you know, filed a suit in 1980 against the state saying, wow. hey, you know, we don't want taxpayers funding for abortion. And then uh, um, John Swem, he fired an amicus brief for us about wrongful death, where a couple had sued a physician because they allegedly weren't told that it was Down syndrome, and they claimed uh, damages. And it's crazy, you know, birth doesn't cause damages. Right. Um, and then uh, um, John Swaim uh, uh, filed an amicus brief no, no, that was that, was that one. Um, Skip Stam and uh, David, and I'm blanking on his last name right now, uh, filed a, a brief, uh, amicus brief on us uh, about parental consent, which is mm. so, so important. Oh, man. You know, yep. Parents, you know, should take care of their kids. They're not mature enough, especially at the younger ages, to make significant decisions. That's right. And so, yeah, you know, we're going to go over a little bit of our history and, um, um, you know, the challenges going forward. But we think that since the Dobbs decision last year, June 24th, 2022, Amen. we can now for the first time go from defense to offense. Yeah, it's such That's an important we, it's such an important point. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, and, and praise the Lord uh, for the North Carolina legislature 
getting uh, some progress, significant progress done on the life issue in, here in North Carolina, because unfortunately we had become on the heels of Dobbs uh, an abortion destination state. And then, of course, earlier this year passed the legislation uh, to, to outlaw it from uh, 12 weeks on and later. But there's still a lot of work to be done. I, I, my, my concern always was, Bill, when when Roe versus Wade was overturned and praise the Lord for that. That was a huge day, a historical yes. day for our country. Uh, that people thought, oh, great, we won. Uh, but that's not the case at all. There's a lot of work to be done. And it's interesting to watch uh, the conservative pro-life crowd say, okay, now we have to reach moms where they're at. Moms and dad, we have to be a part of. If we're going to ask them to, to choose life, we need to support that life. But what what's some of the work that North Carolina Right to Life does on a regular basis? Because I want to make sure people understand how busy you guys are. So we... we uh when we say we, I am uh, frequently at the uh, General Assembly talking with legislators, but we also go out to the public. I'll talk at any church or civic group that wants to hear about life. Uh, we we staff the uh, major fairs. We were at the Mountain State Fair, the Carolina, uh, whoops, yeah, Carolina Classic Fair, and North Carolina State Fair. You know, 1.3 million people pass through those uh, halls. Now, I wish that yeah. many came to us. Yes. But course um it's so important to be out there we have in the summer we have a, a thing that's called camp joshua and it's like 13 hours it's a friday afternoon late evening and all day saturday for high school kids and from eighth grade to graduating uh seniors going into into college and it's intensive uh, pro-life uh, arguments uh embryology apologetics mm. Uh, talking a little bit about the civics of how laws are created. Um, and then we also sponsor a college student every year for a college-level course at the National Right to Life Academy. So we offer a $4,000 scholarship for that. That's awesome. Uh, so th those are some of the ways. And, you know, my board and I, we were thinking, you know, we really have to get the younger generation in and change hearts and minds. That's right. And when I was at the National uh, Right to Life Board, I was looking around the room and, you know, it came to me. I said, look, all of us are either gray hair or no hair. <laughs> and we have got to reach that young generation, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's so important. Um, and, you know, tomorrow is Election Day for a lot of people. The, the key races pro-life that we need to look at is Ohio with their referendum. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, since Dobbs, people said, hey, it's over. You know, we won. But that's not true, uh -oh, and the uh -oh. pro-abortion forces are coming after the states one by one. That's right. For these referendums. Yeah, if and anything, it could I would here say in North Carolina. It could, and if anything, I would say that it's actually more intense now than it was uh, before Dobbs. The Dobbs decision in Roe versus Wade was overturned at the federal level. So coming up uh, a week from Saturday, Saturday of November eighteenth. Uh, at the Curry Convention Center, which is a beautiful facility there in Greensboro. Tell, tell us about the night, and, and people can buy tickets, Bill, right? They can they can be a part of it. Yeah, they can, yeah, yeah. They get their tickets and, and come be a part of it. But tell us a little bit more about what's going to happen that night. So, uh, you know, our, our website, www.ncrtl, for North Carolina Right to Life, .org, has all the information for registering. Uh, it has a, a little video clip of uh, – uh, Seth Dillon debating uh, Joe Rogan of all people on the life issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have uh, uh, C.L. Bryant, uh, pastor, uh, very prominent uh, black gentleman, very conservative, works with Freedom Works in D.C. 
Uh, he's going to do the invocation and the ask. Uh, Senator Ted Budd was not able to come, but he sent us a video message. And then uh, Dr. Uh, David Osteen, who was the National Right to Life Executive Director for 42 years, just wow. retired last year at age 78. Um, he sent a video message, too. His health is not as good as it had been. Um, and then, of course, Barbara Holt, my immediate predecessor, will be there, and she'll give us a brief um, history of her tenure. Uh, she served in this position for 30 years. Um, I'm now in my fifth year, um, and I'm learning a lot and, uh, and enjoying the challenge, and it is yeah. a challenge, and it's, got, it's God's work, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's like, and, and 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 whether it was her before or you now, Bill. I mean, just praise the Lord for men and women like you guys that are willing to step up to the plate. And for a lot of people, it's kind of like a second career, a second half of life. And I mentioned this often, and, and I'll go back to the book of James on this one, and, and say I don't really know any convictional Christians, Protestant, Catholic, or otherwise, that would not say that they're pro-life. So that's great. But the question always comes down to, and I hear James somewhere in the background. Uh, saying you show me your pro-life faith by what you say, I'll show you my pro-life faith by what I do. And so with something like this, I go, well, well, it's a it's a gala, it's a 50th anniversary thing. I'm telling you, anything you do besides your profession of pro-life faith, when you when you go online and you buy a ticket, for example, you go to North Carolina Right to Life, ncrtl.org, and you just buy a ticket, I guarantee you there's a blessing there waiting for you because you're taking some action on the cause of life. And when you go and when you spend the evening there and you're helping to support North Carolina Right to Life financially, you're, you're always blessed for obedience. And a lot of people think, well, I'm pro-life. I vote that way. That's great, but that's a minimum. There's so much more that we can be doing, which is why I, I'm so appreciative of you, Bill. And, and when you have an event like this, this is an opportunity for people to go from kind of the sidelines to the front lines uh, over a nice dinner. But it's something that they're moving the ball forward. Does that make sense? A perfect sense. And and. And it's exactly like you said. And, you know, our, our theme for the gala is forward for life from defense to offense. Amen. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Um, you know, one of the main things that I'm concerned about is the uh, explosion of the chemical abortions with RU486. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep, that's right. And we definitely have to get that second chance for life uh, legislation passed. It, it would... Uh, uh, inform the ladies who take the pill that if they within 24 to 48 hours they call the hotline number there's a chance we could still change you know save their baby yeah you can reverse it last time i last time i noticed that uh i think it was like over 50 percent uh success rate if they get to it fast enough even after they took the first pill it's just an amazing opportunity so again people can go to the tickets tickets start at just 89 dollars uh because there's some generous donors that have been able to bring the basic ticket price down an incredible evening seth Dillon, the history of north carolina right to life we'll try to squeeze another phone call in next week bill and continue to remind people ncrtl.org is the website north carolina right to life saturday november 18th uh there in greensboro at the Corey convention center you can get your tickets at ncrighttolife.org. ncrtl.org is the website. Bill, thank you as always for your work. Thanks for calling in and your time. God bless you, my friend. We'll try to talk again next week. Great. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Appreciate Have all a- your work. Absolutely. My Appreciate pleasure. all your work, too. Amen. Thanks, Thanks pal. We'll talk to you again real soon. I love people like Bill because he's out there 
He could be retired, but he's not. He's on the front lines. Are you? That's the question. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.